Friendly Podcast. My name is Chase. Today we have Sreyas, Sam, and Jake, and we'll be doing our basketball review uh, in a separate episode. So we had our football episode this week. Now we're going to talk about the hoops and what an incredible week for Colorado, or excuse me, what an incredible first opening night for Colorado basketball. Um, really good win for Colorado against Towson, but what a crazy win for the ladies at LSU. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about the men's team first. Um, you know, what are the general thoughts? Starting with the men, they beat the Towson Tigers 75-57. Cabe J. Simpson came off with 22 points in that game. Javon Hadley had 13, and Tristan De Silva also had 13 for your top three scorers. I really like what I saw from the defense. I know that that first half score was very ugly, and they got off to sluggish offense. Well, I guess they didn't start off sluggish on offense, but towards the end of the first half, things kind of got ugly and weren't looking so good, but the defense is there. They have length, right? So they have size with Lampkin. They have length across the board. Tristan De Silva clogs up those passing lanes. They played a son job, a joke quite a bit. Um, we saw a little bit of bang got Dak at the end of the game. All those guys have great, great uh, wingspan and clog up those passing lanes really well. And that played out. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Towson, is going to struggle this year as a mid-major. They didn't they didn't look particularly threatening or good. But I, I nevertheless, like defense definitely translates across uh the competition level and I really liked what I saw there. And then the other thing that really got me excited is the way they came out in the second half. I think they start off 8 for 8 or something in the second half from three-point land. KJ Simpson might have found his three-point stroke. And I really hope that that's the case, because if he does, if he starts hitting those threes like that against whoever they play, their big non-conference game is the potential matchup against Miami and Brooklyn. Boy, they are dangerous. That was something that was badly missing last year. I think there were signs of the defense looking kind of like this last year, but they would just go so long stretches without hitting ba- hitting buckets or anything of that nature. Um, but overall, from the men's team, I really liked what I saw. I think that there's quite a bit of promise there. Yeah, I, I had two main takeaways. I think the first one, I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't think we were going to be able to replace Evan Batty on this team. I was really concerned about that because, you know, that's the the heart and soul guy and the size, right? But I think Lampkin looks like he can fill that role rather nicely. He's got the size. He plays hard. Um, you know, I, I was pretty impressed with Luke O'Brien. I, I was kind of annoyed that he was starting, um, but I thought he played fairly well that game. But for me, the biggest takeaway, I know Tristan De Silva started slow, but and Cody Williams did not have a very impressive stat line. But God, is he impressive to watch play basketball. He is smooth. He flows well. He's good at facilitating the basketball. And it's pretty obvious to see like, okay, you know, we had kind of talked about this a couple episodes ago, but Cody Williams might be a guy that's maybe going to be a little slow to start, but I I think he is just spectacular. And and Jake's reminding me that uh, Evan Batty left two years ago, but last year's basketball team was so forgettable that I guess I just completely forgot about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm really excited about Cody Williams in particular. I know that's not a particularly hot take. Um, I thought Joe played pretty well, um, but overall, just a good, solid game of basketball. I know we kind of people are getting a little stressed coming into halftime. Um, you know, basketball is a game of runs, right? And you got to remember that. And 
and you're not going to just blow the doors off of every team. Overall, I thought we dominated that game. There, there, there's really no point where, um, you know, you had to be super worried. And they and they played hard. I'm impressed by the hustle in a game that they could have looked over. Right? I know it's the first game. Hopefully, they'll they'll keep up that fire. But you know, this team last year felt like they would lose games because they would just no show. You know, wouldn't have the the passion for it. And uh, you know, Grambling is our opponent next week. We we lost to them last year. Um, and you got to remember, you know, Grambling's big win so far this season. They played uh, University of North Texas in Dallas. I know what everyone's thinking. University of North Texas is in Dallas. It's actually just north of Dallas in Denton. So this is their satellite campus that somehow has a basketball team, and that's oh the team. Goodness. That's the team that Grambling beat. So not even the real University of North Texas, but the knockoff one. So you know, not a lot of uh, and they didn't exactly dominate that game. I, I think it's a fairly close game. Um, 82-67. So we should be able to take care of business against Grambling, um, you know, knock on wood. But um, that's a home game. We, we should be fine. But overall, you know, a pretty exciting team, Sam. Yeah. I mean, before Chase calls for Tad Boyle to be fired because we didn't beat Towson by more than like 25 points, I think I think it's a good showing. I think it shows like with the Tad Boyle team, we're not going to look at last year's debacle. You know, the defense is going to be there. The defense, they're going to play hard. They're going to play good defense. They're going to rebound. What separates the good from great Tad Boyle basketball teams is if they can shoot. And they struggled in the first half, but you saw in the second half when they started seven for seven from three-point line, if they can shoot, well, obviously, if they shoot 100% from three-point line going forward, we're going to have some pretty good success this year and multiple national titles. But if you can just put together solid three-point shooting around a team that's centered on defense and rebounding, they're going to be tough to beat. And especially with the skill players they have now, it's going to be hope. I mean, it's, it should be, they could be the most talented team C's had in a very long time, just looking at the box at the stat sheet. And if they work together as a team, they can, I think they have the highest ceiling of any CU team we've seen for a while. Saying this before they probably go lose to Milwaukee next Tuesday or something that CU always does losing to some random uh, random school that I've never heard of before. Um, so hopefully they can hold together. They always seem to lose concentration for one of these games against tiny schools. So I think the mark of a mature, older team is to take care of business when you're expected to win by a lot. And I hope they can do that during their non-conference schedule because they've got a pretty, pretty easy-looking like non-conference schedule that they should be able to win most of these games if not all of them and really come into Pac-12 play on a on a roll yeah I'll be I'll be brief with my thoughts here but uh yes Reyes I agree I was happy to see the three-point balls falling um both uh Tristan De Silva and KJ were three for four from the three-point line um also it's fun to see Eddie Lampkin in action um I was looking at his stat line. It wasn't great. I think he was two for seven from the field. I think he only had two points. Let's see. Yeah, two for seven, four points. But Chase, I think you were getting uh Eddie Bat uh Batty mixed up with the lovely Lawson Lovering, right? That was a big hole to fill. <laughs> no, no, no chance I was mixing those two up. Uh <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, but I love that Eddie Lampkin is that big bruiser that we did not have last year. Last year at center, we had a twig in Lovering and, you know, no shade to Lovering. I guess I did throw shade there, but, <laughs> uh, 
I, I love that we have a bruiser down there to now. find us. Yeah, right, right. I, well, I think Chase called Lawson Benedict Arnold at one point. So, you know, that's not. But Benedict bad. Arnold was good and like competent in his job at one point. That's why I yeah. was upset that he left. Yeah, Lawson kind of struggled against Eastern Washington yesterday. Just looked up those numbers. <laughs> two points and two points in sixteen minutes, four boards, two I turnovers, get, I, and four I, fouls. I'm promising you on the podcast, I can get two points in sixteen minutes against Eastern Washington. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. I'm four boards. No way. But sticking me in the corner, I will make one three in sixteen minutes. <laughs> to be fair, Utah won 101 to 66, so maybe he did some good stuff defensively. <laughs> <laughs> this just quickly turned into point- a, a loss and levering bashing. <laughs> episode wait wait how many points did they score 102 101 101 and he had two he had two did he start he started he was the starting center <laughs> one for three. two one one <laughs> for two shooting you might just that's be a bad. defensive specialist honestly he's a nothing specialist and i was so disappointed <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure i remember he was a five-star recruit coming in right or it's a four he's one, he's of, a four our, star. one yeah, of our he's highest one of the highest ever yeah. One of the highest rated recruits ever. Yeah. And oh my God, how how disappointing. And you know, Jake's made a point about how, you know, maybe Tad is struggling in the past about how Tad might be struggling to develop talent. And uh hopefully, you know, obviously that doesn't happen with Cody Williams. I don't I you know, I think Tristan uh, De Silva is a good yeah. example of like good development. Um I don't think Levering's an example of that. I think it was a project coming in, even though he did have four stars. Just um, don't trust the state of Wyoming. There's just don't <laughs> just leave them alone. Don't bring them here. Just keep them, keep them up there. And, and being seven feet tall in high school probably didn't hurt as well. Yeah. But who are you playing in Wyoming that can play basketball? Like that, that, polar bears? I, no, yeah, sorry, grizzly polar bears. bears. <laughs> yeah, polar bears, grizzly bears. Like they, yeah, uh, trees. You know, yeah, they got a lot of pine trees up there. The Devil's Tower. And you know? yeah. all right, before before Freya starts spending twenty minutes talking about his favorite <laughs> landmarks in in uh, Wyoming, <laughs> I do I do want to say. So I think Jake brought this point up, but. Overall, this is this team should be undefeated or you know, maybe one one or two losses going into conference play. You know, we see that Miami game on the schedule. I yeah, you know, that's a pretty pretty scary team. They're supposed to be legit, although it's hard to tell, you know, this early. And I do think Colorado State's actually a pretty good team this year. Um, that game's out at Fort Collins. So besides those two teams, these are all games that it's it's no excuse. Like they need to beat these teams. And when they end up losing to Utah Tech, you know, that, that's just gonna be the 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 final straw, I think, for me. You know, I just it's that'd be like a classic tad loss. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think overall, you know, maybe we move on to season season predictions, but yeah, I, I yeah. think, yeah, go ahead, Sam. Not to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you. And I think when we talk about Wyoming lands landscapes, we really have to talk about the most important Wyoming <laughs> landscape there is, oh, God. which are the two escalators in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have two more esc- they have two more escalators in Wyoming than they have good basketball players. And a great place for a first date, which uh, yeah. it, you know, for all ten people that have listened, yeah. to I was going to say, if anyone got yeah. that joke, DM us and we'll give yeah. you something. If any girl, <laughs> if any, if any eligible women are listening to the podcast right now and would like to go on a date to either of the two escalators in Wyoming, <laughs> and I'm for not the record, you. we we've seen the statistics, and I think it's something like ninety three percent of our listenership is male. And the other percentages is like our wives and and close friends. So I don't know if Sam's really going to have a uh, a great. He's great really throwing a hail mary. <laughs> but yeah, so the only state that has more more escalators than good basketball players. Beautiful. 
All right. Thank thank you to Sam for interrupting me. Um, but I do think we will move to the to the season predictions. Um, we're gonna discuss our I think everyone's gonna give their Pac-12 finish and tournament uh record. We've we've all agreed that this this should be a tournament or term tournament team. Um, but I'll I'll go ahead and go first. I think we make the quarterfinal in the Pac-12 um tournament that we're disappointed. I think maybe instead of tournament, we could do final finish. I think we finished third in the Pac-12. Pac-12 is a really good basketball conference this year. People, you know, people need to realize that. And uh, I think we make it to the Sweet 16 and they get bounced in March Madness. Um, of course, all of my brackets will have us all the way so long as we make it. So, um, you know, who wants to go next? It's like it's Sam. Uh, I forgot to lower my hand, but I'll, I'll oh. say it. I'll say my <laughs> I'll say my prediction anyways. I think I'll say we come seventh in the Pac-12, but we win the Pac-12 tournament and get the automatic qualifier and then lose in the first round. Yeah, that is first, wild. First seven. year, first year last year in the Pac-12 uh, champions, though. That's a, yeah. That's kind of a fun roller Yeah, bookend, bookend it with two champions and then tie, tie gets a lifetime contract. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they meant to put Coach Prime's name on it, but they, someone put Tad Boyle on accident, and then he They're signed busy it. Busy writing the Wyoming Jake would be in hell. Right? Yeah. Jake would be in hell when Tad Boyle gets a life contract. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, at that point, it would warrant it, and I wouldn't be in hell. So, <laughs> but uh, where were we? Season prediction. Oh, I was going to say Sam seven is just insulting for this team. I'm gonna go... they're gonna win. The, they're gonna win the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, that's cute. But seven, really? <laughs> Can you name hot. six better Pac-12 teams in Colorado right now? Uh, USC, <laughs> UCLA, I put him on the spot. He took a big Oregon, <laughs> Arizona. Uh, okay. Utah. They have lost some levering. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cal. Okay, now you're just naming Pac-12 teams. Yeah, I think you forgot Arizona. No, I said Arizona. Oh, okay, I missed that. Um, all right, back to business. I'm predicting CU to be fourth in the Pac-12. I think Arizona, USC, and who am I missing? UCLA will be above them. Um, I think it'll be a good team. I think they'll struggle on the road as usual. Do a little bit better than normal, though. Uh, and then for the tournament, I'm thinking they – will win their first game, get knocked out in the round of 32. And after we do predictions, I want to hear your guys' thoughts of of what are your expectations, I guess, and at what point would you be disappointed? But I don't want to – Sarais, let's hear your prediction first. Yeah, I think I think this team – I think I have them third in the Pac-12. I think Arizona and UCLA, always extremely talented. And I think that – UCLA in particular is probably a national championship contender. They're they're a really, really good team, really well-coached team, Mick Cronin as well. Um, as far as the NCAA tournament, I do think that their strength, that defensive length and ability has the ability to take them far. Um, that is one of those things. So think about teams that – barely make it into the tournament and then somehow make it really far. One of the ones that comes to mind often is Syracuse. There have been multiple occasions where Syracuse comes in as a 10 or 11 seed. There's one in particular. Remember, I think they were an 11 seed. There might've even been in the play-in game. 
Um, and they made it to the final four. UCLA a few years ago, they were a playing team. They made it to the final four. Common theme there is, is length. And that the fact that this team has that is very, very promising. Now, now I, I hope I hope that someone emerges as like a field general. I've said this for years now. I think that CU teams that have success all need that kind of amazing point guard glue guy bringing it all together. Spencer Dinwiddie, McKinley Wright, two great examples of that. Um, Nate Tomlinson, people forget about Nate Tomlinson, but he was actually a really good glue guy. Yeah, Chauncey. Cha- Chauncey is just Chauncey is Chauncey, man. He was just he was just a scorer. He was everything. Um, but I think it remains to be seen whether we have that. And Julian Hammond, he sh- he definitely showed some amazing moments, and he has over the last couple of years. But I'm predicting that that someone like Julian will emerge and will take this team to an elite eight. By by glue, do you mean like facilitator or yeah. like X factor? I think facilitator, right? So that's that's fair. I could see Cody Williams in that role. I was surprised as I'm seeing him play more. He it seems like he's more of a pass first guy. Yeah, that's that's not a bad quality to have uh, for for like a, a freshman trying to find his way out there. Um, but I, I do think you do need like in order for the Tad Boyle offense to really work, he needs a field general and. The best CU teams have had a field general. It's so disappointing that we didn't get to see Derek White and Josh Scott play together. Because I think, oh man, if Derek White was able to be on that 2016 team, I think that 2016 team could have made some serious, serious noise. Um, instead, they got bounced by UConn in the first round. But I do think that this this team that we have this year has the opportunity to be the best in, in uh, CU history. Maybe, well, I guess basketball in the 40s and the 50s is just a totally different beast, right? There's there's a whole plethora of issues with the way that that element of the game was played at that point. So discounting the Sox wall set era, <laughs> <laughs> this is the opportunity to be the best team in CU history. Yeah, I, I wish we could just combine Julian Hammond and KJ Simpson into one player because then I think you would have a McKinley Wright kind of floor general because the thing that worries me about julian hammond is he has i feel like he has good leadership he has good like intangibles he hustles really well but the scoring is too inconsistent to really be that great cu floor general that we've seen the successful teams have and kj has that scoring ability i think he's a better scorer than mckinley wright was i think he's a much better shooter than mckinley was mckinley was better at getting to the basket but maybe that maybe CU can use both of those guys and use like kind of instead of having one floor general, have both of those guys do what they do really well. And maybe they can build the team around those two skill sets, like Julian's leadership and passing and KJ's ability as the shooting guard to shoot. Cause he's, he's going to have to shoot really well to stay on the floor at his size at shooting guard. And hopefully some of the bigger teams they play don't take advantage of that on the defensive end as well. Because how t- how tall is KJ Simpson? Like six three, maybe six six four yeah, at like, the most. Yeah, I think he's like six one, six two, six two, six two. Yeah, like that's hard to be a shooting guard and play defense when other team shooting guards are probably six five, six six. So he's really gonna have to shoot well. 
I think he can. He's shown he can, but he needs to be the consistent offensive threat that they have. So, yeah, I posed this, posed this question earlier, but what do you guys think? At what point would you be satisfied with this team as in terms of the postseason? How, and at what point would you be disappointed? Would you be disappointed if they don't make a tournament, or would you be disappointed if they don't win a game in the postseason? And why I ask, because one of my biggest gripes with the Tad Boyle era is they haven't won a lot of postseason games. They haven't made it to the tournament as much as I would have liked. Um, so with this team, I, I truly believe this is Tad's best team at CU on paper. And my expectation for them is to make it to the sweet 16 or maybe a real tough loss in the round of 32, say, say it was someone rated uh, above them. But man, that's kind of my expectation with this team is, is to get to the sweet 16. If this team gets to the tournament and gets knocked out in the first round, I am going to be very disappointed. So just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts. Sam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all kind of dependent on how the bracket falls. Like, I think the best indicator of how good a team is is what they do in the regular season because there's the bigger sample size. Like, anything can happen in the tournament. Like, I think it's hard to judge CU, like, now saying, they, oh, they have to get to the round of 16. Because, like, what if they play one game? Like, like, let's look at the team with McKinley Wright. Like, they played really well against Georgetown, and they came up against a Florida State team that was just awful for their matchup against them. They were just the perfect kryptonite. They were the perfect kryptonite to CU's team. And that's not on Tad Bull. That's not on coaching. They just came against a team that's just specifically built to beat CU. And there was so, another thing that happened that day, too. Yeah, yeah. And there was the, the King Supers shooting in Boulder, I believe, that day. That, like, there's all these intangibles. So I think really a good regular season performance and then see what happens. Like, the tournament's always like a, a crapshoot. Like, obviously, sometimes, like, usually you can kind of pick it, but if anybody knew what was going to happen in the tournament, like, we'd make millions and millions of dollars. So I think just a good performance, like, pass the eye test, like, play hard, and I think just getting in the tournament is big. Like, I think it's unacceptable that they've missed the tournament in the past, but it's always hard for me to judge teams based on their tournament performances unless they just obviously just drop a stinker and get blown out. But the term is just so weird. It's kind of like the bubble to me in the NBA. They're just kind of like somewhat random effects on players and stuff like that. But obviously, I would I would root for a Sweet 16 berth. I think that would be great. But it's just so hard, even though I predicted them to lose in the first round. Yeah, I think for me, not making the tournament would be incredibly disappointing. I think you absolutely have to make the tournament this year. And you can do that, you know, just by the Pac-12 is deep enough that we don't exactly have to be world beaters to make it. And I think we're a sneaky team. You know, a lot of people are talking about us as like the, the dark horse team this year. And uh, you know, people that actually pay attention to college basketball, you know, understand how special this team could be for me. What I, what I really want to see is see the young core group of guys that we have develop um, and, and, and get better. And that, you know, not just Cody Williams. Right. But, um, you know, Ben got Dak from, from uh, Lincoln, by the way. And uh, Joe, you know, those guys are all freshmen, right? We have a really, really talented class this year. And my, I am concerned that, you know, if, if Tad's not able to develop guys as much as he should be, you know, he's got a lot of NFL or NFL NBA guys out there. So I, I don't know, maybe that's not fair criticism, but I want to see him take a huge step forward um, regardless, but I think they absolutely have to make the tournament. It, you know, it'd be so disappointing for, for Tristan to not make the tournament in his final year. Um, for, for a team, you know, Cody Williams is only going to get better 
as the year goes on. I really do believe that. So I, I think it's tournament or bust for this team. I think in a, in a previous podcast episode, I'd said that if we did not make the tournament, I would call for Tad's firing. Um, I'd take that back. That's not going to happen. I think Tad's the right guy. I still think this program's moving in the right direction. Really? If they do. don't make the tournament, you don't think. Look at this recruiting class. I mean, it's it's sick, right? Like, you know, It doesn't just... matter. If you don't make the tournament, your recruiting class being good doesn't matter. But just Boulder's just not a destination basketball job. And I, you know, I don't want to have this conversation beat it to death. This is a great off season topic, but I, I think Tad's the right guy for the job. I appreciate the the steadiness of the program. I think he's putting out NBA players and, you know, Colorado's not embarrassing, but you know, he's also, in my opinion, the perfect guy to transition this program into the big 12, right? He was a Kansas basketball guy. You know, he's been in the big 12 before people don't realize that, but Tad Boyle has been at Colorado so long that he coached us both in the big 12 in the Pac-12 and now going back into the Big 12, right? That's that's crazy. Um, so, you know, the steadiness and, and the fact that we're, I don't know, I, this is the most excited I've been about one of our teams, other than maybe Derek White's here. Like, this is one of the most exciting Colorado basketball teams I, I remember. So, I don't know. Yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to keep beating this uh, live horse on our uh, <laughs> on our podcast, as, as Jake is apt to say. Um, but also, as, as Chase said earlier, I think, I think we'd have some real problems if Tad Boyle was generating NFL players for the basketball team. <laughs> I think if, if that starts to happen, I think, I think I would, I would call for him to be fired and I, I would switch over to Jake's side. I think I'd be really questioning the development strategies. Hey, so, can Eddie Lampkin play offensive line? Yeah. Yeah. As Jake that, said, if put, we him start, on, put him on. Yeah. It'd be a very interesting uh, program decision to do that, but maybe coach prime needs all the help he can get. So maybe, we use some extra recruiting spots for basketball for the football team going forwards. We just get some big guys to say, you can go play basketball and then just speak them on the football field. Honestly, not a bad business decision there for CU. <laughs> yeah. Rick that. George hit us up. We, we can, we, we figured it out. We we've seen, we've seen uh power forwards transition to be tight ends before. You never know. Maybe <laughs> we could get our own Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, or Rico gathers or, or whatever. No, prefer the offensive lineman though. I don't think our tight end. I mean, we were, <laughs> where's Mikey Harrison been, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. It's a good point to talk about that. Um, Let's uh, let's shift over to the women's basketball team guys. Um, Unless did anyone else have anything on, on men's hoops? I think we're all I'll set. Move it now. We no, and, and the, the late, yeah, the ladies right deserve it. Come on, I mean, oh my God, what a win! Huge win, huge, huge, huge win against number one LSU at a neutral site in Las Vegas. LSU, the defending champions, taken down by Colorado, twentieth ranked Colorado, I should say. Huge win, Sreyas. Thoughts? Spectacular, absolutely spectacular. Um, I was I had both games on and honestly I ended up watching the women's game a lot more because frankly you're playing the number one team one of the most hyped women's basketball teams in the history of the sport who won the national championship last year and then added two all-Americans including the highly lauded Haley Van Lith from Louis, uh, from Louisville wow A- absolute stunner it sounded like Kim Mulkey was already making excuses even before the game when she was talking about how, oh, you know, they're playing us at the right time, blah, blah, blah. And so that was that was interesting. I thought that that was more gamesmanship, but as it turns out, there was more to it. And 
that CU team was super, super impressive. They looked a lot like, and it's amazing because they didn't, they didn't graduate. I think they graduated one player. Uh, And other than that, it was basically the same team that we watched make it to the sweet 16 and lose to Caitlin Clark in Iowa uh, earlier this year. And actually potentially even better because you're, you're just, you are now showing your capability against the best of the best, right? They just won the championship. They beat Iowa. They, they actually throttled Iowa in the national championship game before they added to all Americans. But yesterday, Man, Jalen Sherrod, she looked, she reminded me so much of McKinley right on the court yesterday. Just blazing speed. Her, her her offensive numbers don't look as good as you might think, right? She, five of 12, I think, shooting. But that doesn't matter. She was, she was getting, she was, had them, she had LSU in, in knots with her blazing speed. She was getting to the rim. There was one, oh my goodness, there was one layup where I, it was just a nasty move and it just kind of lipped out and didn't go in. But that type, that is a difference maker. When you have someone with that kind of speed that can penetrate through a pretty, pretty uh, strong LSU defense, that you're going to be able to kick out the shooters. Your shooters are going to be wide open. Um, Frida Foreman benefited greatly off of that. And you know what? I don't want to discount the fact that Frida Foreman creates her own shots too. She was just on fire. Three to Foreman, as as Jake said on Twitter yesterday. Um, I, I was just super, super impressed. As as a as a fan of the game of basketball, I love basketball. It's my second favorite sport behind baseball. Um, it was just a pleasure to watch. Absolute pleasure to watch. I can't wait to keep watching more games. I can't wait to go to some more games. It's been a few years since I've been to a women's game. We'll definitely be making the trip up to Boulder for that. Chase, what are you? Yeah, thinking? I mean, I think the thing about that game, you know, I, I, it sounds like you know a lot of people watch that LSU uh, Iowa game. So even if you weren't following the Colorado women's team last year, you you know a lot of people, you know, just fans of the game were watching the the LSU team and they looked dominant, right? And so going into this game, it was like, wow, this is going to be, you know, I think this Colorado team is pretty good. Um, you know, they didn't lose anyone like you had mentioned, but they dominated that that LSU team, right? It wasn't just a win. I mean, that that game was never in question in the fourth quarter, right? Just absolutely dominant performance. Are we going to hit threes like we did that game all the time? You know, is, is three to always going to be hitting all those three? I don't know. You know, is that something that we can keep up? But, you know, sometimes it's good to be hot for the right game. And that team... I mean, the expectations are sky high, in my opinion, right? Who can't that team beat? You you dominated LSU on a neutral court. It's not even like the game was at home. And it, it, you dominated them. So I think, you know, the expectations are, are in my opinion, really, really high. And I, I, I'm i excited to see where this team goes. Um, you know, shout out to Coach Coach Payne for, for all the all the building. You know, this was not a very good team when she, when she took it over. And it looks like, you know, the recruiting is a lot better. This is an exciting women's team. And if you're not paying attention, it's time to start. Yeah. I think, I think as friend of the pod, um, Ted tweeted out, uh, you, you do not want to play the Cardo Buffaloes after appearing in last year's national championship. Um, it was, it was amazing to watch. And now it's just keeping that consistency going forward. Um, it is always easier when it's a little bit easier to get motivated when you're playing the national champion and you're playing, you're the underdog and you can kind of play that card and kind of get your, get your team fired up. Now 
we have to see it every night when they're when they're going to be the favorites because soon Colorado women's basketball is going to have a target on their backs of a team that is good and a team that's going to be probably a top 15 top 10 team and it's always a challenge when you're now the one that's hunted you're the team that people get up and like we've seen with the Nuggets this year what they've talked about for the basketball team is they're going to get everyone's best effort night in and night out and that's a different level that you have to rise to and play at every night. And I think the women's team will be getting everybody's best effort this year. And I think they'll match it. They have the skills. They have the players. Players coming back is huge. But I think having a team that's been together for a long time in basketball, especially where there's so many like minute decisions to be made of like, do we switch this pick? Do we stay? Like when you have a group that's played together and can kind of just do it, do they play the game through feel for each other? and nobody she's going to be on the court is huge. And I think if as long as they still stay healthy, this is going to be a really, really dangerous team that could should at least be a dark horse team for the national championship, if not one of the teams that people are saying can win it. Yeah, really quick. I was really impressed with Nettie Von Ley. We didn't really talk about her much on Twitter just because you had uh, Frida Foreman going off, but man. Vonley is a beast. Scored 24 points, was the second highest scorer in that game. But real recognizes real. Shaquille O'Neal and I believe Candace Parker went into the locker room. And you, you could see Vonley uh, meeting Shaq there. What, what a cool moment. Uh, and then it was also a cool moment to see Coach Payne's speech to the team on TNT. And she said, great effing win. And it wasn't bleeped out. And it was a, kind of an electric time there. But one other thing I also appreciate is uh, seeing Shalomai Sanders really find her home there on the Sea Women's basketball team. Uh, Deion Sanders' daughter. I think that really helps with Coach Prime liking his time at CU. Um, but it's also been really fun to see Coach Prime back uh, the women's basketball team and get, get excited about the women's basketball team. Um but yeah, it's it's been fun to watch. I know I know Coach Prime's daughter isn't a scholarship player, didn't play, but it's just fun to see her being a part of the team. Yeah, and, and one last point or one point I want to quickly make. You know, Sharad was also really impressive in that post-game interview if, if people didn't catch it, right? She's a leader. Um, you know, she's a doc, she was you know, obviously with Candace Parker and all that kind of stuff. Just a really, really impressive team with with so much senior leadership. And you know, this team. I don't know. Like this team legitimately would, it would not surprise me if they made the final four this year or, or made a legitimate run, right? Like th- they look really good. I don't want to, you know, only, setting up our expectations for Colorado sports seems to always lead to heartbreak. So I, I don't know, but uh, Sreyas, your thoughts. This is, this is a very proud program. People forget how good they were under Sealberry. Yes. There, yep. there was a time probably 20 years ago, where they were actually outdrawing the men's team. Now, historically, Colorado men's basketball is not good. Between that Sox-Walseth era and Frosty Cox era from like... Frosty who? 70s, 60s, 70 years ago. Don't make me say it again. 60, <laughs> 70 years ago uh, until Chauncey showed up. I mean, they went... They went from, I think they didn't make the tournament between 1969 and 1997 or 1996. So that men's team, historically, very, very uh, futile. But women's team, extremely proud. They made it to three Elite Eights under SEAL. 
and multiple other sweet 16s. And then they kind of fell in some hard times, right? I think I think Linda Lappy made it to one tournament, but really that first several years under a JR were really, really rough. And I think last year was kind of a prove-it year for her. And honestly, I could have it wouldn't have been surprising if they didn't perform last year that they moved in a different direction, just because this is a proud program. But she has them absolutely rolling, right? Um, this is not the two and 16 conference team from a few years ago. Um, in fact, this might even be better than the 13 and five conference team from last year. This is very, very exciting stuff. And I think as a whole, women's basketball has really risen up in profile. Thanks in part to the superstar players that were making headlines last year, like Caitlin Clark and, um, Angel Reese on LSU. Haley Van Lith on Louisville. And I think CU has some of those types of players. I think Jalen Sherrod can be a star. She is just an incredible personality and she's a joy to watch on the court with her speed and athleticism. Um, and then Nettie Vonley, like Jake, like Jake said, we, we really didn't shout her out enough during the game on Twitter last year. She was her <laughs> yesterday, not last year, yesterday. <laughs> she was, extremely impressive. I think she was 11 for 12 from the field, something like that. Just playing excellent defense down low against a really, a really tough LSU team. And then of course, Frida just absolute, the Danish dagger, just, just dropping, you know, dropping threes, making it rain all day. This is a really fun team to watch and a really proud program. I, I think that I, I, I think that the state is gonna, is gonna really, uh, accept them and elevate them and they'll get the attention they deserve. And we're going to have to continue talking about them. There's, there's no doubt about it. This is fun, fun time. Yeah. I, I agree with everything. Sreza said, I haven't heard frosty Cox since I went outside on my ski trip to Vail with no pants on. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> um, one thing I also liked is, no, they they ran with the ball a lot, which is something that we've talked about with football. They they ran the ball. It looked like they ran. Through. It looks like they ran. The, sometimes they put it down the ground and they picked it back up, but they 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 seem to run for more than an average of four yards, which is good to see. So are you saying that are you saying that Hankerson needs to dribble? They, that, they could try it. That, that that maybe maybe what the problem is, Jake, is that they're not they're playing by basketball rules the running backs. I think the running backs might think that they can only take two steps and then that's it. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can get them to start bouncing the ball and maybe, maybe that'll, that'll fix the rushing issue. Or at least NBA rules, right? Get yeah. four steps. In yeah. Get four steps. We gotta, we gotta get <laughs> crap. Has anybody, I think we got to get someone that we know to ask coach prime that do the running backs know they can take more than two steps. I, I have to think that, that Sam decided he wanted to go with the, the running joke and then at some point just realized he was way overcommitted to the pit. And that's the uh, explanation behind the 20-minute mantra. Uh, with oh, that being man. said, uh, thank you everyone for listening to our basketball episode. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be talking basketball more as football season ends, of course. Um, don't know yet, just yet, how, how frequently we'll be uploading those. But until then, Sco Buffs, really exciting basketball season here ahead in Boulder, Colorado. Remember, college basketball runs through Boulder, Colorado. Let's go, Buffs! Let's go! go. Buffs.